This week, me and the NBA Big Board crew will be dropping our mock drafts. And in this episode, I will go first as I will release my first mock draft 1.0 for the 2023 NBA draft. You know who I got going number one. You know who I have going number two. But who do I have going number three? Stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Monday and big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. This is the episode that I've been looking forward to recording for, I guess you can say maybe the past week or so. And let's, let's just dive right in. All right. This, this uh, mock draft is based off of the 538 projections. I didn't use Tankathon. I didn't use just the, the, the basic standings. And it's pretty difficult sometimes to keep up with all the trades. And, you know, for example, a team could have a pick that's top 10 protected. And the way the NBA season is going right now, you can lose one game and you are in the lottery. And you can win two games. And you are a top five seed. So it's still really early in the season. There's not a, a, a wide range other than like the Celtics from from the league. And then, of course, there are some teams like San Antonio, Detroit and Houston that are definitely at the bottom. But the rest of the league, you know, for example, Dallas was a team uh, on Take-A-Thon a couple of days ago. They were picking in the top 10. And so right now they're just they're still in the lottery, but a little bit out of it. All right, let's just go. All right. With the 30th pick. In the 2023 NBA draft, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting Chris Murray. Now, let me go back and just say this is obviously going to change. There's so much time left in the season. There are some guys that are probably going to fall out. There are some guys that are going to skyrocket into the, the lottery. So this is very early in the season. Chris Murray has played exceptionally well for Iowa. He's played really well. He is someone that I think could possibly end up being a a riser just based off his production. But then because of his age, it, it could be like a situation where a team may feel like he doesn't have the same upside. But I have him going number 30 to the Indiana Pacers. At 29, I have the Houston Rockets selecting Terrence Shannon Jr. Shannon Jr. has looked really good since he left Texas Tech. He's someone that I was... I had been watching for, I, I guess, after his freshman year, and I thought that he was going to leave as a sophomore. I thought he was going to leave after his junior year. But it looks like transferring to Illinois has just done wonders for his game. And his game has changed so much over the past few years as a freshman. I, I saw him as, like, this energy guy that got offensive rebounds and just had hustle. You know, was a, was a hustle player that could defend, and then now he's developed into a, a, a pretty good shooter. And... At Illinois, so far, the rebounding has returned because it felt like the last few years at Texas Tech, he wasn't rebounding. He wasn't the same blue-collar guy because the jumper was improved. At 28, I have the Phoenix Suns selecting James Naji from Barcelona. James Naji is what I call, even though he's Nigerian, the European version of of Jalen Duran. So I guess you can say he's the European slash Nigerian version of Jalen Duran. 
similar size as far as just being like this chiseled frame grown man strength on, on a teenager and uh he's a guy that i just think should have a a role in the nba as a vertical op threat a rim runner a guy that rebounds just has a really defined role may not have the brightest upside because he's not going to be much of a floor space or a ball handler but i do think that he is someone that can come in and provide some some backup minutes for for a team early in his career all right at 27 i have the los angeles lakers which is the pelicans pick and swap selecting marcus sasser from houston sasser is the, the guy on a houston team that is ranked number one in the state i went to houston's game against saint mary's a, a couple days ago and it was it was a it was, it was a pretty ugly game it was a good game it was a pretty ugly game but marcus sasser is someone that should be able to come in if he were to go to the Lakers, come in and provide some some offense off the bench. He can shoot, shot 43% from three last year, should be able to knock down open shots and be a good complimentary player to LeBron and now scorching hot Anthony Davis. All right at 26, I have the Memphis Grizzlies selecting Nikola Jurisic from Serbia. Probably someone that's going to be stashed. He is someone that is just the epitome of versatile. He can shoot. He can pass. May not be the greatest athlete, but he just does so many things well, like your typical Serbian player. I mean, you think of, like, Serbian players in the NBA, they're all multi-skilled from Nikola Jokic to Bogdan Bogdanovic. Then you have, other than Boban, Boban is kind of like the most traditional guy that you can kind of put in a box, but a lot of the Serbian players are really skilled. And you can say the same thing about Nikola Jovic, who was in last year's draft. At 25, I have the Charlotte Hornets via the Denver Nuggets selecting Creighton's Arthur Kaluma. There's some talk that Charlotte may not be really high on P.J. Washington. Not, well, let me let me rephrase that. I think they're high on P.J. Washington. Maybe not as high as Washington's camp wants him to be. I heard P.J. wants like a max deal. And he entered the season without a contract. And just in case he is out of there in free agency, Kaluma could be someone that could come in and provide some minutes at the four spot. Kind of like your your three four. The biggest concern about Kaluma is the outside shooting. All right, at number twenty four. This is the surpriser for you. Probably my biggest surprise so far early. I have the Indiana Pacers via the Cleveland Cavaliers selecting. Derek Lively from Duke. You're probably shocked that I have Lively at number 24 falling so low. And, I mean, what has he done <laughs> in college so far to, to be a lottery pick? I mean, this is definitely a situation where he could rise up the boards later on or, or he could fall. I mean, I, if I had to bet, I'd say he probably rises. He just really hasn't shown me the same just really hasn't shown me a lot so far i think defensively he's okay um yeah i would just like to see a little bit more out of him and then if the pacers end up losing miles turner then i, I think lively would be a pretty decent replacement there at 23 i have the utah jazz by way of the philadelphia 76ers selecting trayvon brazil the athletic pick and pop guy that has really made a name for himself since transferring from Missouri to Arkansas. I think Brazil is someone that could also see his name rise up boards around draft time. Just has a unique skill set that I think would be pretty valuable. Needs to bulk up, gain some weight, maybe even 
Uh, I mean, he's he's a good shooter from three. Um, obviously, be a little bit more consistent there. But I think Brazil could be someone that is a first-round pick. Obviously, I have him as a first-round pick now. And maybe even sneak into the teens. All right, at number 22, I have a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people may be a little bit higher on him. But I have Jet Howard going to what which would be a perfect situation for him. The Golden State Warriors, kind of like a plug-and-play guy. Uh, even though you can say the same thing about Moses Moody, and Moses Moody is with the uh, Santa Cruz, maybe not a lot, a whole lot of minutes there, but he would provide the Warriors with some shooting down the line, if if not right away, but down the line. At 21, I have the Atlanta Hawks selecting Rayan Rupert, who is from France, but is playing in Australia. He's been dealing with a wrist injury, so the shooting numbers aren't really good right now but he is a a player that would be able to provide some you know best case scenario a three and d player for the hawks or whoever selects him has a ridiculous seven foot wingspan on like a six seven frame and he's just a a guy that i i think is going to be a plug and play guy that's going to play you know eight to ten years in the nba and the big key for him is just being a consistent outside shooter. If he can defend, knock down open shots, then he should be able to make a lot of money and play a long time. All right, at number 20, I have the Toronto Raptors selecting Leonard Miller. I mean, Leonard Miller is a guy that, I mean, it just seems like a perfect fit for the Toronto Raptors. He has this this positionless style. He's about 6'8 or 6'9. No, I think he's actually 6'10. Can handle the ball, very skilled. And just doesn't have a natural position. He is a, a really good passer. He's actually from the, the Toronto area. He's from Canada. And he just looks like a guy that just fits what the Raptors are doing. All right, when we return, I will give you picks 19 through 11. And then we'll finish the last segment with the top 10. But right now, I want to talk to you about Toro. Because Toro is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Toro you can book any car you want wherever you want and it comes from a community of local hosts so you can browse the selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S. United Kingdom Canada and Australia if you want a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip you can find it on Toro if you want to show off and you want to get a classic luxury car for a special event birthday holiday or even if you want to try to impress a girl on a date (laughs) you can get one on Toro. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and you just need to get from point A to point B. You can also test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. And many Toro hosts can deliver the car right to you. Here's the cool thing. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. So forget the boring rental cars and find your drive at Toro dot com once again big shout out to each and every person that has made the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen of the day now for your next listen check out the locked on sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories of sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only locked on can provide locked on sports today it is available on this app youtube and wherever you get your podcast all right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow, Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board. And this week, we are going to, me and the boys are going to drop our, our mock drafts. 
and I'm going to lead off. All right. I left off at number 20 with Toronto. So at number 19, it is the pick that should have belonged to the Dallas Mavericks, but it's going to the New York Knicks. If I'm not mistaken, this is from the Porzingis trade, which Porzingis is now in Washington. But this pick was a top 10 pick just a few days ago. But it is Julian Phillips. Julian Phillips not really putting up crazy numbers in production at Tennessee, but he's on a, a good Tennessee team, has plenty of upside. He is someone that I think at the minimum could be like your three and D guy, but he I think he just has a little bit more to his game than that. If I were, you know, the Knicks or a team that is drafting him, my focus would be just working on the ball handling and the just creating off the dribble. But at the minimum, I think he could be a, like I said, a three and D guy, transition finisher. But he's a, a really good shooter off the catch. So I, I like Julian Phillips there. At number 18, I have the Miami Heat. Selecting one of my favorite players, Terquavion Smith. Now, Terquavion could end up going a lot higher. I do think that he returned to school to <laughs> to not be the 18th pick in the draft. Yeah, but he is a, a dynamite scorer, kind of in a weird situation at NC State where, you know, last year's team was not really good, even though they had Darion Sebron, and he has a, a, a target on his back this year. He's not going to come out of anywhere. I'm putting up pretty good numbers this year, and Miami needs a, you know, Kyle Lowry's getting older. They could use a point guard, and Terquavion seems like someone that, at the very minimum, should be able to come in and be like an instant offense guy in NBA. In the NBA, I think that he wants to prove that he is a a starting point guard. But I like Terquavion Smith. I like him a lot, and I think it would be interesting to see him in Miami. All right, at number 17, I have the Brooklyn Nets selecting Kyle Filipowski. Filipowski has been very productive. Has been Duke's best player this year. I mean, he's just a highly skilled guy. He may not be your traditional back-to-the-basket center, may not be like your vertical lob threat or your defensive anchor, but he is one of the most skilled players in this draft. He can shoot, he can pass, show some, some flashy ball handling. And the Nets could um, definitely use some size on the front line. So I think Kyle Filipowski would be a good choice there. At number 16, the Utah Jazz. I mean, this is a team that has so many picks. (laughs) They have a lot of picks. They should end up with three picks in this first round of the draft, you know. Maybe a few months ago, they thought every, everyone thought that Utah would be competing for the first pick, but they've been so good, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I have the Jazz selecting Gigi Jackson. Jackson is going to be the youngest player in the draft, only 17 years old right now. Is that South Carolina? Kind of getting beat up a little bit on a South Carolina team that is, I guess you can say, is not loaded with talent. But Jackson is super skilled. Gifted score, like I said, very young, can handle the ball, can face up. I think that he's going to be a, a very reliable three-point shooter. He is a a weapon. He reclassified up, so I guess you can say he still should be in high school. And some felt like if he would have stayed in his regular class and entered the 2024 draft, he would have been a, a candidate to be a, a top-five pick. Some even thought number one. I have him falling just outside of the lottery, but Utah has the the picks and they're going to have the time to really be able to to, to gamble on his talent and, and wait for him to to end up, you know, being being ready cuz again, 17 years old. He'll be 18 on 
I don't even know if he'll be 18 on draft day, but he is going, I think he's born in December. I think he turns 18 in December, but we're talking about a guy that <laughs> if he ends up hitting for the Jazz or, or just however, I mean, he's going to be able to get squeeze a lot of contracts <laughs> in his career because he's starting so early. All right, at number 15, I have the Sacramento Kings selecting Kansas's Grady Dick. Grady Dick has been probably one of the best freshmen in this class as far as just from a production standpoint. Has positional size, can shoot. He is a guy that I just think is going to be able to come in and just knock down open shots for a team and, and have a role there. So Sacramento, one of the surprises of this year, Mike Brown really has those guys hooping and, and playing well. So Sacramento Kings get another shooter in Grady Dick. All right, we are now at the lottery. And with the 14th pick, I have the Los Angeles Clippers, who I do not expect to be in the lottery in June. I have them selecting Dreek Whitehead. Now, Dreek Whitehead has not been productive this year for the for Duke and I mean he's battling an injury and you know it's just one of those situations with him playing not 100% it hasn't helped his draft stock at all which you know it's just kind of unfortunate for him right now he's only averaging five points per game on 34 25 75 shooting splits and if he continues to just play at the pace that he's playing at on a, on a minutes restriction and not being productive you can see his draft stock slide but he could also be a guy that once he finds his rhythm skyrockets into the top half of the lottery when he's healthy he's a three-level scorer guy that can create his own shot and generate open looks for teammates and again right now he's on a minutes restriction and so he'll likely see his minutes and his role increase before we get to conference play, but Derek Whitehead is a guy that you know I thought would have been a a lock to be a top ten pick. All right, at number thirteen, it is the Portland Trail Blazers, and I have the Blazers selecting Jairus Walker from Houston. I was at the game against St. Mary's, and it wasn't his best performance. And right now, he, he just just to keep it real, he is in a slump. He's only scored twelve points in Houston's last three games, but He's shown enough flashes to, you know, be a, a lottery pick. He's 6'8". He's 240 pounds, grown man body. Like I was watching him and Terrence Arsenal, and Arsenal looks like, you know, a freshman. He looks like he was in high school last year. Walker <laughs> looks like <laughs> he looks like he's been on a four-year program in the weight room at, at a college. So. He is a man child, but when you look at him, his body and his his game don't necessarily match. You you look at him and you think that he's this this back to the basket bruiser, this huge physical presence, which he is a physical presence, but he is very skilled. He can pass, he can handle, and he is a good rebounder. I just think that he's going to be a connective tissue. And if the outside shot, which he is shooting a good percent, I think he's like forty percent from three. It's on a small sample size. But if he becomes a reliable and consistent outside shooter with his ability to handle and pass, he becomes a real, real weapon for whatever team that drafts him. And in this case, I have the Portland Trailblazers draft him. All right. For the last segment, 
I will finish the last 12 picks of my first mock draft or the NBA Big Board Rafael Barlow Edition Mock Draft 1.0. But I want to talk to you about BetOnline because it is the number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline.net. It is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, last segment. And again, I have the Utah Jazz on the clock and I have Utah selecting Anthony Black. And after getting off to a slow start where he looked hesitant to shoot and he had just as many turnovers as assists, Black has turned the corner, has been a much different player since playing in the Maui Invitational. And, and I mean, he broke out in Maui. And what's interesting is that he is a player that I wasn't 100% sold on the shooting. I'm still not 100% sold on him as an outside shooter. I saw him as a connective piece with great positional size, but he's been efficient. He's making over 50% of his shots and shooting 39% from three. Now, if he can sustain those numbers, he could rise to the middle of the lottery, and I don't see why not. I mean, he he could do it. He could go somewhere where, where Dyson Daniels was picked last year, and I think some people think Black may be a even better prospect than, than Dyson Daniels. So I have Anthony Black at number 12 going to the Utah Jazz. At number 11, I have the Orlando Magic selecting Dylan Mitchell. And Mitchell is, he's, he's playing his role. He's averaging 8.6 rebounds per game, shooting 68% from the floor on a Texas team that is currently ranked number two. And, you know, let me, let me go off the path a little bit. Texas is known for football. But the two top-ranked teams in college basketball right now are the Texas Longhorns, who are number two, and the Houston Cougars. It's, Texas is a basketball state. <laughs> Five McDonald's All-Americans last year, even though it's always going to be known as a football, but it is a basketball state. And let me let me get back to it. But Dylan Mitchell, he is a high flyer. He's an excellent rebounder. Some say that he, he has one of the highest ceilings in this draft class, but he's very limited offensively, scores all of his points in the paint. And if I called him a reluctant shooter, that would be an understatement. Hasn't attempted a three this year, but he has just this freakish athleticism, has a tremendous amount of energy that he plays with. It's like your low personality, a low maintenance personality guy that just doesn't need a lot of usage to be, you know, impactful for a team. And he has high potential. So I think Dylan Mitchell to Orlando at number 11 would be I don't think it's a good fit I don't think it's Orlando's a good fit for really anybody because they have a lot of redundancy on their roster so Mitchell would be adding to their log jam of of wings and hybrid threes and fours but I mean no matter who I would have put here it would have been redundant all right at number 10 I have the New York Knicks selecting Khalil Ware now Ware has shown some flashes this season and in my opinion so far I think he's really distanced himself from Derek Lively a lot of people had a debate over who was the best center behind Wimbayama in the draft between Ware and Lively. And I think it's, it's without a doubt, it's Ware. He's averaging almost 11 points per game, six and a half rebounds, 
a block and a half and only 25 minutes. And he showed some flashes of his shooting potential against UConn where he made two out of three from three. And that was the game where he had 18 points and grabbed nine rebounds. Best case scenario, where is your vertical lob threat, your rim runner, your shot blocking floor space? So if he can put all that together, then that would be a steal for New York or who's ever drafted him. At number nine, I have the Washington Wizards selecting Kaysen Wallace. Now, Wallace is averaging about 10 points per game. He's shooting 51% from the floor, 41% from three. And he's playing a role that will prepare him for playing with the Wizards if he was drafted by Washington. Right now, he is splitting ball handling duties with Severe Wheeler. Wheeler has been one of the, or he's led the SEC in assists for the past couple years. So I think Wallace knew coming in that he was going to have to split duties there. And then, you know, you go to Kentucky, you know you're going to have to sacrifice. So he has sacrificed. I think he is going to be one of these Kentucky guards that has more game than he has been able to show and will potentially outperform his draft position. But if he goes to Washington, I think that he will be a good fit next to Bill because he's not a guy that needs, you know, a high usage to be effective. He is a, I think he's a NBA-ready defender. I mean, it's going to take some time to adjust, but, I mean, he's an active defender, great hands, and I think he would just be a good fit in Washington. All right, at number eight, it is the Pelicans pick, which is the Lakers pick, but this pick is not going to be. I just don't see anywhere where the Pelicans are going to pick at number eight. Just because the Lakers have seemed to turn the corner, they've won eight out of their last ten games. But this pick is part of the Anthony Davis trade, which Anthony Davis has been on a tear lately. So this pick, like I said, it's the Lakers pick that gets rerouted to New Orleans. And the player that I have them selecting at number eight is Nick Smith. Now, before you get in my mentions and say Nick Smith should be going a lot higher, um, we're talking about a guy that has missed time with what has been described as right knee management. So he is a... There's a strong chance that he could move up. I do want to see how him and Anthony Black play off of each other in conference play. But Nick just played like his first significant action of the season. Had a game where he played five minutes. I won't really count that. But he scored 16 points, dished out five assists, made three out of five from deep in Arkansas's blowout win over San Jose State. He showed the floater. He showed everything that you would like to see out of, out of Nick Smith. And so he is, right now I got him at number eight, but I think he could easily, easily climb up the boards. All right, at number seven, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting Baylor's Keontae George. And George has been up and down this season, which is really not surprising considering that he is sharing sharing a backcourt with two of Baylor's top returning scorers. And despite the fact that he's really not efficient this year, I think he has kind of changed the narrative around his game. A lot of people think of him or at least thought of him as like this high-volume shooter, a guy that is kind of selfish. And I, I thought that was far from the truth, and he's proven that that is far from the truth. He's averaging a little under 15 points per game, but he's also chipping in four rebounds and four assists. And he's shown some improved effort on the defensive end. I think the passing has really made up for the lack of shooting so far. I think that he'll eventually, you know, get his shot together. But I think he has shown enough as a as a passer to warrant a top seven pick. And then with the Pacers, 
you have to figure Buddy Hill is going to be moved eventually, and Keontae could give some scoring punch to this Pacers guard rotation that is actually pretty fun. You consider Tyrese Halliburton should be an all-star. Benedict Matherin could win Rookie of the Year and Sixth Man of the Year. Chris Duarte has been steady, and then Andrew Nimhart has outplayed his draft position and hit a huge game-winning shot, so I think Keontae could could fit in where Buddy Hield left off. All right, at number six, I have the Charlotte Hornets selecting Osar Thompson. And he's often, I don't want to say he's the forgotten twin, but he's definitely not as highly regarded as his brother Amen. But you can make a case and say that he's been the better of the two this year. He's averaging 18.5 points, five rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 54% from the floor. And get this. 42.9% 42.9% from three, and he's putting up, he's putting, he's shooting 42.9% from three, and it's on three and a half attempts per game. Now, the three-point shooting is a sign in the right direction for a guy that is honestly considered one of the weaker shooters in this class. Now, if he can sustain those shooting numbers, we could see two Thompson twins in the top five. I would like to see him in Charlotte. I think it would be pretty cool to see him in LaMelo. I mean, he's already played with his brother, so he he has he knows what it's like to, to play with a phenomenal passer and, and be on the receiving end of some some <laughs> highlight-worthy dimes. And, and so I, I think him in Charlotte would be a, a pretty good fit. And again, if the shooting numbers sustain – We're talking about a guy that could potentially be a two-way star that could be one of the better switchy defenders long-term. And we already know he's a great athlete, and he's a gifted passer. And it would give Charlotte a a secondary ball handler, a, 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 like I said, a slasher, a rebounder from the wing position. So I, I like that fit there. All right, we are now in to the top five. And at number five, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Villanova's Cam Whitmore, who made his season debut against Oklahoma on Saturday. Only had seven points, three rebounds, and three steals, but he did all of this in just 20 minutes of action, and he is returning from a broken thumb. So you can imagine he probably hasn't shot a ball, touched a ball much over the last few weeks. And after a strong summer where he averaged 18 points and six rebounds for Team USA, winning MVP of the under-18 Americas, he came into the season with a lot of momentum. And a lot of people, including myself, expect him to be the first one and done from Villanova since Tim Thomas 25 years ago. Now, the fit in Oklahoma City would be interesting because the Thunder just have a ridiculous amount of young talent. And eventually, they're just going to have to sort it out. They're going to have to figure out who is going to be the core to play around Shea Gilgis Alexander, who was having a phenomenal year. I think he's averaging like 30 points per game. And so you got to figure Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren hasn't played yet. Jalen Williams has been very good. Eventually, they're going to have to figure out their guys, and I think Cam Whitmore could be a, a, a big piece to their rebuilding puzzle. All right, number four, Brandon Miller. And he has been the biggest riser, in my opinion, in the first few weeks of this college basketball season. Coming into the year, he was divisive people liked him some people thought he was top three so one guy told me top two some people didn't have him in the lottery 
He is just someone that people were hot or cold on. And I think a lot of people that were cold on him are now starting to warm up to Brandon Miller. And even if you did not like Brandon Miller, even if you were cold on him, and I've seen some people still on Twitter, they're still, they're not ready to convert yet. But through eight games, his production has been crazy. 19 points, nearly nine rebounds per game. And he's shooting 46% from three on seven attempts per game, which is pretty healthy. And I think he's shooting 40% overall. And he had a game where he shot only like four for 17. But overall, you have to be pleased with his production. And San Antonio has some young wings that are playing really well. I think they're like 23 and 22 years old between Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. San Antonio is like a middle-of-the-pack team as far as three-point shooting. And Miller would provide them with a another wing that 6'9", that can handle the ball and knock on open shots, and that could really make San Antonio dangerous. Although, I'd like to see Miller showcase more of his mid-range game, which was like his greatest strength coming into the season. I think it's more so the fit at, at Alabama where he's not really showing that. But if he can get to the rim and maximize his ball handling and his size and athleticism, he could be really, really special. All right, we are now into the top three. And at number three, I have the Detroit Pistons selecting Amon Thompson. He's averaging 15.6 rebounds and six assists for the City Reapers in overtime elite league. 6'7", 200, elite athlete, great court vision. And he is someone that I've heard scouts say they would have taken him number one in last year's draft. Scouts are really high on him. But unfortunately, if he ends up going to the Pistons at number three, it would be an absolute terrible fit. And the Pistons have Kate Cunningham. They have Jaden Ivey. Thompson is, I think, shooting below 20% from three. So he's not a real asset off the ball. So if you're Detroit and he's available, at, if you have the third pick, which, of course, you hope you have your number one pick. But if, if, he has, if you're Detroit and you have the third pick, even though you may feel like Thompson is the best player available, you may have to take someone like Brandon Miller over him because Miller is more of a, a fit to complement their current roster. But I have Amin Thompson as the third best player in this draft, and I have him going to the Pistons, which, like I said, would be a terrible fit. All right, and this is the most predictable two players <laughs> i guess i don't have to spend a whole lot of time here at number two i have the orlando magic selecting scoot henderson and scoot is pretty much a lock to be number two and in my opinion i think he's wide in the gap between him and the third best prospect even though not everybody convinced i did speak with a scout that mentioned that he is a better version of eric bledsoe and then someone in, in my um, someone from my NBA Big Bird newsletter mentioned that he's putting up the same numbers as Saban Lee. And then I talked to a, a scout Saturday at the Houston St. Mary's game where they said they didn't think Scoot was a lock at number two, which was kind of shocking to me. But I think he is. And I mean, I don't know what he could do even better. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he was a guy that. We knew he was a phenomenal athlete, and he had a really good season last year as a 17-year-old, and then he has stepped it up this year. 
He's averaging 21 points, a little under six assists per game, shooting 48% from the floor, and 47% from three. It's not a large sample size, but 47% from three is really good for a guy that, you know, or his greatest weakness was his his three-point shooting, which I didn't think was too much of a – a big deal simply because he was going from high school, the high school line to the NBA three-point line, which is, I mean, basically skipped a step. It's, it's an adjustment to go from high school to college. So he went from high school to the NBA, but he's put in the work and improved his jumper. For everything I've heard about him, just a great overall person, focused. He still believes that he should be the number one pick, so you got to like that that type of confidence. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a three-level scorer. I think he's going to be a guy that – I mean, he, he can get to the rim. He has the, you know, the tools to handle to get to the rim and finish at the rim. Then his mid-range pull-up was probably his greatest strength last year. And now he's knocking down threes. He's somebody that in a normal draft would be the number one pick. Now, going to Orlando, somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to scoot out the way. Whether it's Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, or Jalen Suggs. I think Orlando is going to give the keys to Henderson if they draft him at number two. So somebody's on the move. Somebody's got to find a way to figure out how to compliment Ben Carroll and, and, and Henderson if this does happen. All right, at number one, it is the Houston Rockets selecting Victor Wimbayama. And Wimbayama has just been absolutely dominant in the French League. He is on the best team. He leads the league in points, rebounds, and blocks. Like I said, his team is in first place. And he entered this season with ridiculous expectations as is. And those expectations magnified or skyrocketed after averaging 36.5 points against the Ignite in Las Vegas or or Henderson uh, back in early October. Now, he's more than lived up to the hype. And I think he's exceeded it. And so far this year, he showed just this ridiculous level of ball handling and shot making we've never seen it before with anyone his size I mean you if you watch the highlights you're seeing like him handle the rock like a wing he's shooting these one leg three pointers I mean he is just absolutely showing out it's like last year when he was with Asvel they just they had him in cuffs he was so restricted and now he's playing free and he is looking like this generational talent that everyone has been talking about but if he goes to Houston, it's going to be it's, – it's not too bad of a fit, but they would have to get him a point guard. I'm not a fan of what Houston has going on. I'm a big fan of their talent, and I actually like Coach Silas. But they – the pieces, like, seem like they should fit. I mean, Jalen Green is super talented. Jabari Smith is – you know, he after getting off to a, a really slow start, he's kind of finding his groove there. Kevin Porter Jr. has been productive. Shingoon is one of my favorite guys. He's averaging like 15 points a game. But, you know, if Vic comes in town, Shingoon is, eh, you know, <laughs> he, he, he will be moved to the second unit. But I think Vic is versatile enough where he might be able to play some three. Could you imagine that? He might be able to play some three at like seven foot five. But I think it's in Houston's best interest to find like a table setter, someone that can, you know, get the guys the ball in their in their right spot. And it's, it's I think Kevin Porter Jr. is a good passer, but I think he's more so shoot first. But if Houston can get a table setter, and you get Wimbayama, Jabari Smith, and Jalen Green, then you, you can make a case and say that they had they'd have 
one of the more talented young cores in the NBA and the future would be bright. Well, that wraps up this episode. So tomorrow I will have a one of my co-hosts come on and share his mock draft. So you have to stay tuned for that. Once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big World Podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and I will see you tomorrow. And I'm out.